So the Florida Department of Education recently decided to ban AP African-American history. Now, AP is relevant here. That means advanced placement. These are not only elective courses, but they are above and beyond that courses that um, depending on whether you take the AP test can actually go towards college credit, optional, elective and a very small percentage of students take these courses. And the reason that Florida Governor Ron DeSantis is now giving for the reason that this class has been banned is completely and totally absurd. The department says that the class was teaching students activism, intersectionality, encouraging the war, uh, encouraging ending the war on black, trans, queer and gender nonconforming and intersex people, that it's queer theory and that it is indoctrination. Now, again, this is not a mandatory class that's being pushed on anybody. It's an elective class that students can choose to take if this is subject matter they are interested in and they are issues that should be determined from within the community, not by Ron DeSantis in terms of what is taught. DeSantis was asked about it during a press conference, and uh, here is what he had to say. Uh, Governor, on the AP African-American Studies course that was rejected by the state, been a lot of criticism of that move, uh, people saying, you know, this is exactly what we were fearing with the individual freedom bill. I don't know if you or the commissioner could maybe expand a little bit more about. Sure. I mean, I think so. Um, you know, as you know, uh, in the state of Florida, our education standards not only don't prevent, but they require teaching black history, all the important things. That's part of our core curriculum. This was a separate course on top of that for advanced placement credit. And the issue is we have guidelines. So he admits that. That's interesting. We're going to get back to that. And standards in Florida. Uh, we want education, not indoctrination. If you fall on the side of indoctrination, well, we're going to decline. If it's education, then we will do this course. So when I heard it didn't meet the standards, I figured, yeah, they may be doing seriously. It's way more than that. This course on black history, what are one of what's one of the lessons about queer theory? Now, who would say that an important part of black history is queer theory? That is somebody pushing an agenda on Ah. our kids. And so when you look to see they have stuff about intersectionality, Mm -hmm. abolishing prisons, that's a political agenda. And so we're on that's the wrong side of the line for Florida standards. We believe in teaching kids uh, facts and how to think. But we don't believe they should have an agenda imposed on them. When you try to use black history to shoehorn in queer theory, uh, you are clearly trying to use that uh, for political purposes. So there's a couple different things that are important to talk about here. First of all, I don't know me, David Pakman. I don't know whether queer. First of all, I don't know whether queer theory is part of that course, but let's imagine that it is. I don't know whether it's correct. To have a part of a course about black history include queer theory. I don't know whether that's appropriate or not. I don't think Ron DeSantis knows either. He's not an expert on black history and neither am I. So the idea that if that is the case, that that is part of the subject matter, then the course is bad or wrong doesn't make a lot of sense to me. That's first and foremost. But again, this is an elective Associated uh, Associated Press, AP, advanced placement course. Okay, these are, in a sense, college equivalency courses. Uh, When I took AP economics, for example, in high school, I got college credit for that course. 
in college, it would be completely normal to have more niche classes of this style. And it would make sense that the AP black history course would differ from whatever is taught to every high school student. But what DeSantis and other people in Florida are doing, it's sort of slick in a sense. They want to act as though seven year olds are being taught queer theory, for example, or that prisons should be abolished. Even if it's true that those things are in that course, this is not being taught to first and second graders. This is an elective college equivalency advanced placement class, but they don't want to let the students make their own decisions. Remember, nobody's going to be forced into this course. Students in consultation with guidance counselors, their parents, whoever can decide based on their interests whether this is a course that they want to take. He's removing the choice and proactively saying we're going to get government involved to ban a class. This is part of the decidedly anti LGBT bent, by the way, that Ron DeSantis has been on. And it's been extra clear lately. Just a few days ago, uh, DeSantis requested information from school uh, from universities statewide of every student who has um, I forget the exact wording, but basically it's like a list of trans students, which, as we've said in other states, Texas tried this. It doesn't appear that that's actually legal. So DeSantis is making his intentions very clear, even though he claims to be small government. Government shouldn't do something unless absolutely necessary. It is not necessary to get involved in banning this optional advanced placement class. And that's what he's doing. And instead of promoting education and promoting understanding and promoting choice, hey, it, there, there's things available to you. You can choose what it is that you want to study, particularly if you're looking at AP classes, it's instead censorship and it is ignorance and it's all of those things. So the class should be reinstated. Nobody should be forced to take it. It is an optional AP class. It might have been 12 students who were going to take this thing, but they don't care. It's pathetic. And it's very clear that this is again, people like DeSantis loves to love to say the left is virtue signaling coming out against this class and trying to ban it and pretending like it's being forced on children uh, is exactly the type of virtue signaling they claim to be against. There was uh, a March for Life, and this is an anti-abortion event. Former NFL coach Tony Dungy, who I didn't realize was a sort of right wing extremist, he spoke at the March for Life and he drew a parallel between NFL football player DeMar Hamlin's cardiac arrest and abortion. What is the connection? I sure as hell don't know, but let's see if we can understand it as Tony Dungy explains it. Well, those prayers were answered. DeMar's recovering now. He's home. He's been released from the hospital. But what's the lesson in that? You know, an unbelievable thing happened that night, a professional football game with millions of dollars of ticket money and advertising money on the line. That game was canceled. Why? Because a life was at stake. Huh. And people wanted to see that life saved. Even people who aren't necessarily religious got together and called on God. Well, that should be encouraging to us because that's exactly why we're here today. Wait a second. Because every day in this country, innocent lives are at stake. The only difference is they don't belong to a famous athlete and they're not seen on national TV. Huh. But those lives are still important to God and in God's eyes. So I did not realize that Tony Dungy had these views. And there are a couple 
important things, I think, to mention here. You can be individually pro-life or pro-choice, you know, for abortion, against abortion in some cases or not, whatever. Right. I mean, it is your choice. When we say pro-choice, I'm certainly not saying pro-choice means everyone must be in favor of abortion being safe, available and legal. I'm saying it should be everyone's choice. If you or Tony Dungy or whoever is opposed to abortion, then I don't think anyone should force you or a mother or whoever to have an abortion. That's what I when I say choice, I mean choice on both sides. But when they liken abortion to the DeMar Hamlin situation, which, by the way, it's such a stretch, it doesn't even make any sense whatsoever. You were starting to go over into this extremely authoritarian perspective, which is it's no one's choice. Well, it's Tony Dungy's choice that no one else be able to decide for themselves what the right decision is. There are people who can choose not to get an abortion for whatever reason they want. That's part of the choice. But they want to take choice away from everybody. They want to take bodily autonomy away from women and families in consultation with whoever they want to consult with. If you as a pregnant woman. Want to consult with your clergy about what you should do, that's your choice and that's fine. That's part of the choice we're talking about. But to say that the woman should not even have on the table the choice to say, well, what's right for me is an abortion. That is where these people go completely haywire. And by the way, against their own principles of keep government out of stuff to the extent that we can. One other thing, the stick to sports crowd is very silent, very, very silent. The shut up and dribble LeBron people are very, very quiet when it comes to someone like Tony Dungy expressing an anti-abortion view, which is just part, of course, of that hypocrisy that they have anti-vaccine so-called expert Sherry Tenpenny is again spreading fear and promulgating disinformation about the covid-19 vaccine. She is now warning everyone that is close to you is soon going to die from the covid vaccine, not from covid, from the covid vaccine. Sherry Tenpenny is now warning about a tsunami of deaths in 2023. She says by the end of this calendar year, the year of the Lord, 2023, Every one of us will know five, maybe 10 or more people who have died from the covid vaccine. OK, let's listen to what she had to say. This is very instructive in terms of fear mongering and so many other things. Let's listen. Now we're seeing the tsunami of deaths tsunami. that I've been talking about since the beginning of 21. Millions of people are going to die. You know, when Judy Mikovits came out on right. Plandemic at the beginning of that. And By the way, that was one of the biggest nonsense propaganda films, uh, Plandemic and Mikovits. It's, it's crazy to even mention it. That, that more than 50 million people are going to die. And everybody was like, whoa. And when they started interviewing me and, I, and they asked me, what did I think about that number? I said, it's way too low. Oh, it's going to be much more than 50 million people in America alone. And we're already starting to see it. We're not. So the tsunami of deaths is coming. It's already here. And I believe that what's happening now and is, is starting to happen now is the tsunami of regret of the people that fell for the lies 
the, your friends and family members and parents and children and all they did to your grandchildren just could not be told otherwise. But now that people are dying like flies, I mean, my business partner has 83 close people in his life that have died. <laughs> you know, most pe the, the truth is most people don't have 83 people in their lives that they are close to. This, this is like a separate issue, but these are obvious lies. 83. Yeah, no. It's the beginning. And I predict that by the end of this year, every person in this room and every person listening behind here is going to know a minimum of five, probably 10 or more close friends and family. Yeah, you don't have as many friends as her business partner, so you'll have only five to 10 people die. Members that have died from these shots. Right. So I want to remind everybody, and this is so controversial every time people say, David, is Sherry Tenpenny a doctor or is she not a doctor? And, and when I explain it, people get mad. Sherry Tenpenny is not a medical doctor. She is an osteopathic physician. Now, whenever I make that distinction, people start writing in, including osteopaths, saying, David, you shouldn't act as though that is less than being an MD. I'm not saying anything. I'm just telling you she's not an MD. She's an osteopathic physician and her claims have no scientific basis. It doesn't mean every osteopath believes the things Sherry Tenpenny believes. I'm not saying that at all. All I'm telling you is actual medical doctors have debunked her claims. Health organizations have debunked her claims. Many osteopaths have also de debunked her claims. But in the sense that osteopathic physicians are doctors, she is indeed a doctor. Now, if she sounds familiar, and this is really the big point I want to make, it's because we have listened to her predictions in the past. And of course, none of them have come to pass. What I would like is accountability for these people. When they make these predictions, let's remember. And then we can follow up and say, hey, that stuff didn't happen. Because remember when she said this last year, the more shots you get, the more the more you destroy your immune system and the faster that happens. And it's anticipated. The German data says that by the end of 2022, every fully vaccinated person over the age of 30 may have the equivalent of full blown vaccine induced immune suppressed AIDS. Ladies and gentlemen. As a fully vaccinated person over the age of 30, I am here today to tell you I do not have full blown vaccine induced immune suppressed AIDS. I do have a little neck pain from a weird movement I did at the gym three days ago, but I don't have full blown AIDS. So the point is, it's fear, fear, fear. And we're going to talk about this later. I can't believe I'm saying these words. But later on in the show, I'm going to talk to you about Tucker Carlson fear mongering about a space vagina. I, I know it sounds insane, but it's what it is. Um, they have to induce fear. Fear generates the environment they need in order to then sell you something, whether it's tickets to an event or a product or liquid, liquid silver, whatever it is they sell you. And then there's no follow up and there's no accountability. We have to hold these people accountable for their endless failed predictions. This is yet another one of those. And if you want to if you're listening today and you want to see what this looks like when this woman makes these claims, we'll have all of these clips on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash the David Pakman show and on our Instagram, which you can find by searching Instagram for David Pakman show.
When you use a website or an app, they are usually sending a ton of your personal information to social media companies and advertising companies and data brokers. And these companies have a disturbingly accurate understanding of who you are and what you do online. And it's all because, in part, they can see your IP address on your computer and your phone, even when you use incognito mode. And the way to protect yourself is to use a VPN that will hide your IP address. It really couldn't be more simple. You take a second to download it. You turn it on. You don't need to know anything about computers. A VPN also hides your activity from your Internet service provider, which is also usually logging what you do online. The only VPN I use is private Internet access, our sponsor, because it's the only VPN that has proven in court multiple times that they are not logging your activity and with independent audits by Deloitte. A VPN also makes it easy to watch streaming content only available in other countries. And private Internet access is lightning fast for that. Go to piavpncom slash Pacman to get 83% off. That's only 203 a month and you'll get four months free. That's piavpncom slash P-A-K-M-A-N. The link is in the podcast notes. One of our sponsors today is BetterHelp. Uh, viewers of the show, listeners know I'm a big advocate of therapy. Uh, I think it's important to make it more accessible, remove any stigma that might be associated. We all carry around different stressors, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. And therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest, figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. BetterHelp is therapy done entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, suited to your schedule. Fill out a brief questionnaire. You'll be matched with a licensed therapist. Switch therapists anytime at no additional charge. I'm a huge believer in talk therapy and BetterHelp is making it more accessible to more people. You can even find a therapist who specializes in certain areas, which maybe you can't find where you are geographically. There are lots of great benefits to doing therapy online. Get it off your chest. Visit BetterHelp. Go to BetterHelp.com slash Pacman show today to get 10 percent off your first month. That's better. H.E.L.P. dot com slash Pacman show. The link is in the podcast notes. One of our sponsors today is Zipix nicotine toothpicks. Zipix brings you a convenient alternative to smoking and vaping and the vape clouds, the ashtrays, the thing in your lip that people can see. I've seen that around. This is an easier and less messy way to curb the cravings. And you can use Zipix just about anywhere. Zipix is available in six flavors with two or three milligram strength. The nicotine and the flavor are long lasting. And Zipix has helped countless people kick the bad habits. And they are bad habits. Zipix toothpicks are FDA registered. Their customer service is second to none. It is one of the most cost effective alternatives also, check out their B12 and caffeine toothpicks. See for yourself why so many people have switched to Zipix toothpicks. You can only get Zipix online. Go to zipixtoothpicks.com 
and get 10% off with the code Pacman. That's Z I P P I X toothpicks.com. Promo code Pacman saves you 10%. The info is in the podcast notes. Remember that the David Pacman show quite literally depends on your support primarily through the membership program, which you can sign up for at joinpacman.com. We do an extra show every day for our members, and I would love to see you in the audience of that world famous bonus show. Sign up at joinpacman.com. I want to talk to you today about the continued scandal surrounding lying Republican Congressman George Santos and what is now it's not even really an alleged past as a drag queen. And I know that the term queen, is it appropriate? Is it not? I I don't really know. Now, before I dive into the topic, I want to start with I don't care about drag queens in the sense that I don't believe drag queens are a danger to children. I don't believe drag queens are a prominent or important political, social, cultural or economic issue to be describing or talking about. I just to me, drag queens are a non issue. Republicans have made drag queens an issue, claiming some of the things I just said I don't believe, claiming as Republicans have that putting together children and drag queens is dangerous to the children in some way. Um, Working to get drag queen story hours of different kinds where men dressed in drag read stories to kids. Um, They have made it a political issue and have claimed that there is a fundamental immorality to drag queens. And now it turns out that lying Republican Congressman George Santos regularly dressed in drag. Now, I don't know if there is a pejorative connotation to saying drag queen. I don't know if there is a difference between dressing in drag regularly and being a quote drag queen. I don't know the difference, but it seems to me that George Santos was a drag queen for a period of time. Business Insider now reports George Santos partied in drag over a three year period. New videos appear to show despite a suggestion it was a one off. I want you to remember he initially said it's not him in the pictures when these pictures came out of Santos reportedly dressed in drag. It's not me. More recently, he said, It's me. I did it once. I had fun. So sue me. But now videos and photos spanning a three year period, 2005 to 2008, appear to show Santos in a drag persona. He went by the name Kitara. So we are now we've got George Santos. We have Anthony DeVolder. Now we have Kitara, which was his drag character. George, Anthony, Kitara, Santos, DeVolder. Um, They have been fear mongering against the LGBT community. They have been fear mongering about drag queens. And now it turns out that one of their own who they are very hesitant to just condemn and say, this guy is such a liar. He shouldn't resign. He just he should resign. Members of Congress have not been doing that in any significant numbers. They now are saying nothing about it. And the story first broke last week when freelance journalist Marissa Cabus published a Substack post about the drag queen past of George Santos, and it included the pictures and testimony of friends and all of it. And even in the follow up of this story, George Santos continued to lie, first saying it wasn't him, then saying he did it once. And then now we have evidence that he was regularly dressing in drag. I don't care that George Santos dressed in drag. I don't care. What I care about is he lies about everything, everything, everything. And of course, the selective outrage from Republicans about 
if and when he's doing the right thing or the wrong thing versus when it's Democrats is disappointing, it's disgusting and it's pathetic. So, yeah, I'm disappointed that there are more lies, but it's also important to call out their hypocrisy. And I still am increasingly convinced that Santos is going to be able to just stick this out and eventually media is going to move on. But the stories continue coming and I've got to talk about a crazy one next. Um, I don't I don't even know how to introduce this. George Santos says he survived an assassination attempt. That is the latest. Rachel Maddow has surfaced video of an interview that George Santos gave in Portuguese. Okay, so the clip we're going to look at is in Portuguese with subtitles, and I'll I'll pause momentarily, you know, brief every once in a while to tell you what's being said. He claims he was the victim of an attempted murder that he survived, and it led to him being under police protection. There is no evidence of this, I should mention. Listen to this. So at the top of the show, I went through a long but definitely not exhaustive list of the known lies of freshman Republican Congressman George Santos of New York. Uh, You're probably familiar with some of the greatest hits by now, the volleyball star and Wall Street fortune and all that stuff, right? Uh, But here's something you have not heard before. Did you know that Congressman George Santos also claims he was the target of an assassination attempt, which required him being put under official police protection? Wow. That is what George Santos claimed last month in an interview with a Brazilian podcast. (laughs) Uh, The podcast is called Radio Novelo Apresenta. Forgive my pronunciation. Radio Novelo Apresenta. They shared this video from the interview exclusively with us. Mm. Uh, so you won't see this anywhere else, but I want you to see it. Um, in this interview, then Congressman-elect George Santos this is, is speaking with the hosts in Portuguese. Uh, so we have subtitled it. He starts off talking about an alleged act of vandalism, which he says was targeted at him simply because he's a Republican. But then in the midst of that, he says, oh, also someone tried to murder him. <laughs> Em janeiro de 2021, a minha casa sofreu vandalismo. Uh, meu marido e eu, a gente tinha ido para uma festa uh, de fim de ano, em 2020, uh, in, in, na Flórida. Vou uma so, festa... the, so he says this happened in Florida at a New Year, after a New Year's Eve party. Já veio com meu marido, a gente volta à nossa casa, foi vandalizado, porque a gente estava numa festa republicana na Flórida. Em... So he says the vandalism was because he was at a Republican party. Entendeu? Em dezembro de 2020. Então... É aquilo, eu já sofri vandalismo, a gente já sofreu atentado de vida, atentado de assassinato. Okay, so there he casually mentions, I already suffered an assassination attempt, which I survived. Carta ameaçadora, ter que ter escolta de polícia parado na frente da nossa casa. Yeah, very, very casual. We had police protection, etc., etc. We have already suffered an attempt on my life, an assassination attempt. Yeah. There was an assassination attempt, really. Um, Then Congressman-elect George Santos did not elaborate on his claim in the interview. We have tonight reached out to Congressman Santos's office to get more information about him saying that he was the victim of an attempted murder. Yeah. um, Getting New York police protection at his home as a result. There ought to be a record of that sort of thing if it happened. We've inquired about this claim from him. We have not heard back. We do live in hope. Um, Mr. Santos did offer more detail about a different act of violence he says was committed against him. In this interview with the same Brazilian podcast, he said he was the victim of a very, very, very brazen mugging. In right. the middle of the day, in the middle of New York, one of one of New York City's uh, busiest thoroughfares. Very logical. 
em, já, em, no, no verão de 2021, no meio da Quinta Avenida, com a, com, a 50, com a 55, eu fui assaltado por dois homens, antes que qualquer pergunte, não foram negros, eram brancos, inclusive. Mas... Oh my God, he says... Oh God! So first of all, he says this was at 5th and 55th. Okay. I don't understand how any such mugging could take place at 5th and 55th in the middle of the day. He volunteers before asking me any questions. They weren't black. They were even white, but they still even white people. These weren't even black folks. And, and, and they still had the audacity to rob him in broad daylight. They took his watch yeah, and his shoes in the middle of the day on 5th and 55th. Na, na luz do dia. Eram três e pouca da tarde, eu tava saindo do meu escritório, indo pra garagem, pegar meu carro, e eu fui assaltado. Yeah, okay. So, uh, I don't know that any of these things are true, um, but these are extraordinary claims. And it appears as though the lies simply will not stop. Voters are now furious with this guy. He claims, I'm not hearing from anybody who wants me to resign. Let's talk about that next. Camilla DeShalis or DeShalou, I'm not exactly sure the pronunciation, is a congressional reporter at The Washington Post. She did a great thing where she spoke to a bunch of residents in George Santos's district who voted for him. And here is what some of them had to say about whether they want Santos to go. Do you feel like regret for voting for him? Yes, of course. Why? Because he's dishonest. And um, he has no experience. I am outraged right. by it. And the idea that he should, uh, you know, be able to remain in office is ludicrous. When you voted for him, what was your initial, like, why you wanted to vote for him? Oh, he seemed to be, you know, somebody who gave a damn about this neighborhood and they cared about people in general. So I thought that he really was going to make some kind of a difference. Right. I just wish, why? Why do people lie? He shouldn't be in office. Yeah. So um, Santos in, in, insists that none of the people that voted for him want him to resign, but it seems that they do. And I continue to be disturbed by the ease with which none of this stuff surfaced before the election. And, you know, again, I, I'm not necessarily pointing fingers, but opposition research didn't turn it up and um, uh, journalistic work didn't turn it up. It seems like if you go to get a job at a cell phone store, you are vetted more thoroughly, ultimately, than than how George Santos was vetted. Um, now, this news spoke to high schoolers from his district who will be able to vote in the next election. Here's what they had to say. Port Washington, New York, Schreiber High School in Long Island's Nassau County is in the heart of Representative George Santos's third congressional district. I mean, I think he's an embarrassment and a pathological liar. True. We sit down with a group of AP U.S. history students at Schreiber High. They are 16 and 17, which means they will all be old enough to vote in 2024. How many of you would register as an independent if you registered today? None. How many of you would register as a Democrat? All but two. How many of you would register as a Republican? Two of them. Their history teacher estimates Republican-leaning students are outnumbered by Democratic-leaning students by an almost two-to-one margin at the school. But I haven't found one kid who is sympathetic to George Santos. They know the importance of the numbers in the House of Representatives. And although Santos represents them for issues that they agree on, they don't have sympathy toward the man. 16-year-old Tej Parekh is one of the future Democrats. 
I think it's, it's a very scary situation for us, uh, having someone who is so clearly lied and so clearly fabricated his entire resume uh, representing all of us. 16-year-old Nathan Jackman is one of the future Republicans. I like how the Nassau GOP came out against him, but obviously Kevin McCarthy should come out against him. True. And they should have a vote on the House floor in order to expel him from Congress. Put every single member of Congress on the record. I want the liar to stay or I want the liar to go. Um, we this guy's got to go. And I every day that goes by that he remains in office, I worry that he is going to be able to stay. If you want to check out these clips I've played, we'll have them all on our Instagram, which you can find by searching Instagram for David Pakman show. We're going to take a quick break. What a program we have for you today. One of our sponsors is Curiosity Stream, the best place to find and watch documentaries on politics, history, science, technology, nature, you name it, they have it. Curiosity Stream has a deeper collection of documentaries than any other streaming service. They add new titles every week, including exclusive award winning films and shows you can't watch anywhere else. I just watched Ancient Engineering. Fascinating insights into how stuff was built before modern technology and the industrial revolution. You can watch Curiosity Stream on all of your devices, phone, desktop, game console, smart TV. I'm always finding great documentaries on Curiosity Stream that I can't find on any other platforms. It's really the only place to go for documentaries. And they have a special deal for my audience. You can get Curiosity Stream for 25% off. Just go to curiositystream.com slash Pacman and use the code Pacman. That's curiosity, S T R E A M dot com slash Pacman. Use code Pacman to get a subscription for 25% off. The link is in the podcast notes. Some of you may remember that Donald Trump is being sued by author E. Jean Carroll for defamation and for sexual assault. And this is all related to an alleged encounter in the 1990s. Truth is sometimes stranger than fiction. We have now learned that Donald Trump mistook an image of E. Jean Carroll for his own ex-wife Marla Maples in a deposition that took place at Mar-a-Lago last year. Now, you know, Trump has argued I wouldn't have sexually assaulted Jean E. Jean Carroll because she's not my type. Now, a lot of people might react and say, I don't sexually assault people. So it doesn't matter what the woman looks like because I don't sexually assault people. No, okay, fine. Trump said I wouldn't have done it because she's not my type. Fine. So the fact that he thought it was his ex-wife suggests maybe she actually is his type. It's unbelievable. There's a Washington Post article by Shana Jacobs. Trump thought photo of accuser was of ex-wife during deposition. Donald Trump mistook his sexual assault accuser E. Jean Carroll for his ex-wife Marla Maples when shown a photograph from the 1990s in a deposition at Mar-a-Lago last year, potentially undermining one of the common defenses he has used to deny an attack. Trump, who's being sued by Carroll for defamation and sexual assault stemming from the same alleged encounter, has repeatedly said Carroll is not his type suggesting an assault could not have occurred because he would not have pursued her romantically. That's Marla. Yeah, that's my wife. Trump said when he was examined by Carol's lawyer, Roberta Kaplan, in a new selection of excerpts from the deposition that was unsealed. Trump's blunder in a sworn deposition was quickly corrected by his attorney, Alina Habba, who told him it was Carol, not Maples. 
Maples was Trump's second of three wives. Trump did not immediately have a comment. The black and white photo at issue has been circulating since Carol made the allegations, detailing an account in her memoir of a forced sexual act. Trump has denied ever knowing her, said she's not my type. Okay, we all know that. This is a stunning situation. And it if if this didn't deal with ser- things as serious as sexual assault, we could all just be laughing at it. But one of the ways that Trump has tried to dismiss these allegations and dismiss and undermine the credibility of E. Jean Carroll has been to say she's simply not my type. I'm not attracted to her. I wouldn't have been attracted to her in the 90s. He's basically saying she is not desirable enough for me to even pursue her. Never mind, force myself upon her or something like that. Here we learn, oh, an image of her in the 90s, Trump actually believed was his own ex-wife, someone who I would assume Trump was romantically and sexually interested in. Now, the bigger problem, of course, is that this entire line of reasoning perpetuates some really horrible societal stereotypes about women and sexual assault. And it when Trump mistakes his accuser for his ex-wife, it not only continues to go along that line, which is like, was she attractive enough for Trump to sexually assault her or not? Right. Which is like a crazy conversation to be having. But it also more generally raises questions about whether anything Trump says can be believed, whether any of Trump's defenses can be believed when they might be based on complete misapprehensions by Donald Trump altogether. This is not the first time Trump has been accused of sexual assault. Uh, He has a history of denying allegations, undermining the credibility with similar statements. Not my type wouldn't have done it, that sort of thing. I don't know whether this is going to go anywhere, but Trump mistaking the accuser for his own ex-wife is really wild, wild stuff. Christian nationalism is something we've spoken about a lot on the program. Christian nationalism is very generally speaking a view where you believe that Christianity should be not only one of many religions that people in their private lives can choose to follow, uh, but directly connected to the law of the land and civil government. Christian nationalism includes the idea that the doctrine of Christianity should be first and foremost and in the forefront of what determines what are our civil laws and civil government. Now, Congresswoman Lauren Boebert uh, from Colorado, who recently just barely, barely, barely won re-election. She recently made some comments about Jesus and Christianity, and it's really the stuff of nightmares. She spoke about the end times and the rapture. And let's look at the clip first. But I, I want you to just have in mind, and I know I've said this before and people get offended. What is the line between religion and delusional mental illness when it comes to the sorts of stuff she talks about? I don't pretend to know the answer. But let's listen to what she said. And uh, one thing that I love, uh, uh, just an analogy, maybe maybe it's true, maybe it's not, uh, about the second coming of Jesus. Um, I've heard stories of, you know, people believing that Christians are going to be hiding out in caves and, you know, and just um, lockdown. Maybe maybe it's a lockdown. Maybe it's a government lockdown. But they're shut in and they beg for Jesus to come back. He comes back and rescues them. I don't think that that's the way it's going to be. If, if the Old Testament is a type and a shadow of the New Testament, and you look at the Exodus from Egypt, Pharaoh, he was the one who called for God to get his people. He said, get your people out of here. And I believe if, if that type and shadow is true for the New Testament, the church, 
God's people will be out in such a great force right. that Satan himself will call for the second coming of Jesus. You say, I cannot do a thing in this earth with your people here. Right. You come and get them. Come on. Wow. Incredibly powerful stuff. Now, I really need you to understand what she's talking about here. This, you know, second coming of Jesus stuff, resurrection, rapture, end times. This is all, you know, there's different flavors. And I know no matter which summary I give, someone will write in and say, David, you're misunderstanding this or that aspect of it. Remember, there's a thousand versions of this, but it is some combination of there is going to be some kind of end time event where the Christians that are alive and the resurrected believers are going to rise in the clouds and here on Earth, bad things are going to happen in some of these versions. All of the Jews die in some of these virgin virgins versions. One hundred and forty four thousand Jews survive. There's every everything under the sun. It's all pretty bonkers. OK, from, from just an earthly perspective. And it is apparently in some circles not only acceptable, but welcomed to hear elected officials talking in this way. And they use these beliefs to inform um, what they believe the law should be. For example, the very same place that Lauren Bobert gets the ideas you just heard, she gets her ideas about abortion, which then she uses to say, here's what the law should be, even though we're supposed to have separation of church and state. So comments like these are just completely appalling. And her desire to inject this sort of stuff into civil government is an obvious violation of the separation of church and state. It if 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 she got her way, it would lead to an official discrimination and marginalization of non-Christians, of non-religious people altogether. And it is uh, one of the scariest things that is going on right now as a movement within the Republican Party. Yeah, MAGA stuff. It's wacky. It's scary. Space lasers, all of it. Right. It's, it's crazy. But the Christian nationalism stuff is particularly dangerous. Here's another clip from the same interview. This was the Faith in Action podcast, I guess. Lauren Boebert says God tells her, Re-election would be like the prophet Elijah in the Bible defeating the prophets of Baal. This is what this is what God said to her. I don't know if this was like at a cafe, at a bar, or in private prayer. Wow. Totally. Um, but and then this one, it was just the Democrat and myself. He campaigned as a Republican. Right. The media allowed him to do that. They right. called him a conservative. Right. Um, uh, just allowed him to define himself as that. It's bizarre. Um, but I won again with 51% of the vote. Barely. Uh, it just took a lot longer to get there. But, you know, throughout all of this, um, I, I was telling you, you know, God was really pressing on my heart yep. the story of Elijah. Um, okay. She's saying God spoke to her. Okay. I, I really need everybody to understand. She is saying that a man in the sky, I think they still say he's a man of sorts or a masculine entity in the sky, spoke to her about specific passages in the context of her reelection, he said the true God will answer by fire. And right. those who worshiped Baal, uh, they they believe that Baal was. The oh, I said Baal. I, I guess it's Baal. The true God. And he yeah. said Elijah said, prove it. If, if Baal is the true God, tell him to answer by fire. And they're calling for him. They're screaming, they're hollering, they're cutting themselves They're acting right. a fool. Uh, you know, we've seen that like in 2020 riots right. and stuff. Right. Uh, but <laughs> their God didn't show up. Elijah was mocking them. Yeah. Well, maybe cry a little bit louder. Right. Maybe he can't hear you. Maybe he's sleeping. Maybe he's on vacation. I love that so much. 
Um, and then he went and he said, you know what, I'm going to do you one better. I don't want you to say that this is some kind of fluke, um, some sort of combustion that just happened. I'm going to drench the altar with fire or with water three times. Fire or water, whichever. Three times he went and drenched the altar with fire and God with water and God still showed up by fire. And that's what he was showing you at this election. Yeah. He said it may look impossible in the natural right. that there will not be a victory. You may hear the voices, you may hear other people, but I am going to show up. And he now, of course, these are always stories that are that are told with the hindsight of knowing how the election turned up. She barely won and, and she could have lost. Would she still be telling the story? Listen, God came to me and he said, your reelection is going to be like when prophet Elijah defeated the prophets of Baal. Then she loses. Oh, I guess God was wrong. No, but God, God is never wrong. And blah, 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 blah. This is the sort of stuff, even if they don't say it, that a lot of members of Congress are thinking when they think about how they are legislating. Now, I know many of you will write in and say, but, you know, David, this it's really not a big deal because you look at in Italy, everybody's Catholic, you know, all the elected officials are Catholic and it's just, it just no big deal. It's really important to understand that not all religions are the same. And I know lots of Italian Catholics. I have many Italian Catholic friends. What it means to them to be Catholic is a very different thing than what it means for evangelicals like I believe she's evangelical Lauren Boebert to be evangelical and the comfort that folks like Boebert have even despite the separation of church and state that we're supposed to have saying things like we need Christian nationalism, we need the church to be guiding government and all of the things I've covered her saying over recent years. A lot of people with some connection to reality would be embarrassed to be on video saying the things that Lauren Boebert says, not not for the, the religious reasons, but because it would be seen as so inappropriate to come out and say, I believe that my religion, not just religion, but my religion, not anybody else's not any other religions should be dictating how government works. You talk to Catholic politicians in Italy who are nominally Catholic and would consider themselves religious in the way that many Europeans do. They would be humiliated to be caught saying things like what Lauren Boebert says. So it's not all the same. And it's a really important thing to understand this particular brand of Christian nationalism that often comes from born again Christians and evangelicals, etc. It's not just kind of wacky in terms of the things they say it is, but it's not only that. It also is extraordinarily dangerous in terms of what it would mean if they got their way. And when you look at what's happening in the Supreme Court and Amy Coney Barrett and others who are on that court, who at least to some degree share a lot of these views, you realize that if things keep going the direction that they've been going, it's not completely out of the question that in some ways the Bobert types could get their way. And that's a horrifying thing to think about. There is something you use at home every day that is significantly harming the planet, and it is your toilet paper. Thirty million trees are destroyed every year for toilet paper in the U.S. alone. Deforestation is a contributor to climate change, and I think moving away from tree based toilet paper is something we can all do. And that's why I asked Real Paper to be our sponsor. Real Paper is a toilet paper made 100 percent from bamboo stalks, which grow forever. So no cutting down trees and all of Real Paper's packaging is plastic free. Think of all those big plastic bags you've thrown out over the years. Real Paper is a B Corp certified by the Forest Stewardship Council. 
and real paper plants one tree with every purchase you make. And the best part is you can do a part to fight climate change without making any sacrifice because real paper is soft and fluffy and durable, just like traditional toilet paper you're used to. Guys, this is a no brainer for anyone who cares about the issue of deforestation. Give real paper a try. Go to realpaper.com slash Pacman and use the code Pacman for 30% off your first order plus free shipping. That's R E E L paper.com slash Pacman coupon code Pacman for 30% off and free shipping. Because after all, it's only January of 2023. We are not paying of much attention to 2024 polling. We're looking at it sort of every three weeks, every four weeks. I can't quite remember the last time we looked at it, but uh, it is not irrelevant. And particularly when we are asking the question, is Trump's campaign for the primary nomination imploding before it even gets going when we are not yet sure that Joe Biden is running for reelection, because despite what he says, he has not actually announced that he is running for reelection at this time or filed to run for reelection. There's a lot of question marks and interesting things going on the aftermath of the 2022 midterms, et cetera. So let's look at where the numbers are. And this morning there was a headline. Trump leads Biden in hypothetical 2024 matchup, according to a new poll. That is indeed true. Emerson College has released a new poll which finds that Trump is leading Biden 44 to 41. However, you do have 14 percent of respondents who are not in either camp yet. Ten percent say, well, I would support someone else. Four percent were simply undecided. But I think the takeaway, given that Emerson is a pretty good pollster and we'll see how good in a moment, is that it is very much not a foregone conclusion that Trump can't win or that Trump is certain to win. And it is very much not a foregone conclusion that Joe Biden would have an easy time getting reelected or that Joe Biden would be unable to get himself reelected. Neither. It is a very, very unclear scenario. Now, if we want to zoom out a little bit and say, OK, but David, that's one poll from Emerson. What if we look a little more broadly? I love that idea. So then we would go to 538's aggregation of different polls. And there you will find uh, the Emerson poll I just mentioned, the Emerson poll. That's an A minus rated pollster in a Biden DeSantis matchup. It's essentially even it's Biden plus one. And in that Biden Trump matchup, as I just told you, Emerson has it Trump plus three. But what about other pollsters? Well, let's look. Morning Consult, which is a B rated pollster, has a poll that's one day newer in Biden versus DeSantis. They have DeSantis ahead, whereas in Biden versus Trump, they have Biden ahead by three points. All right. What about a different poll? Well, we have one from a few days ago. This is a Harris poll. Harris is a B plus rated pollster. In that poll, Biden DeSantis has DeSantis up three and Biden Trump has Trump up five. And then lastly, and this is the last one, because then we'll get kind of to our bigger observations. YouGov, which is a B plus rated pollster, Biden Trump has Biden up four. Um, and in a slightly different formulation, they have Biden up six. That's um registered voters versus what is a I forget what a is not actual likely anyway. um, And then in Biden DeSantis, they have it even. So what's the real takeaway here? The real takeaway is not no one of these polls is really going to tell us everything that we need to know. The takeaway is 
anything quite literally could happen in 2024. We are not even really in the primary season. Donald Trump did something that's sort of out of not out of character for him, but it's out of norms historically to announce so early that he is running. He is scheduled to start um, campaign events soon, although I don't know that they're going to be massive rallies. In fact, he does have an event in South Carolina this weekend. Our correspondent, Luke Beasley, will be there and we will have clips of uh, interviews with South Carolinian Trump supporters for you on an upcoming program. Um, the takeaway is we don't have any idea what could happen. And so any statements that sound like foregone conclusions of the sort of Biden doesn't have to worry or Biden has no chance. Trump's got this in the bag or Trump has no chance. None of those statements are accurate at this point in time. Now, what about the Republican primary? This is a very interesting question because there is a candidate who has not even announced that he is running, Ron DeSantis, who had some polling that looked pretty good. More recently, it doesn't look quite so good for Ron DeSantis. In a recent morning consult poll, Trump is leading DeSantis by 19 in the primary. In a recent Emerson poll, Trump is leading DeSantis by 26. In a recent B-rated Big Village poll, Trump is leading DeSantis by 23. And in a recent Harris poll, Trump is leading DeSantis. Um, wait, Trump, Tim Scott, Trump plus 50. Oh, this is oh, this is against other people. OK, Trump is leading DeSantis by 10 in a Harris poll. So even though there was a period about a month ago or so where Ron DeSantis was actually leading Trump in a bunch of different polls, despite the fact that Trump has announced and DeSantis has not, which was quite stunning. It does not seem to be the most common scenario right now. That's where we are. Anything could happen. Anything could change. But we will follow it probably like roughly every three or four weeks. Tucker Carlson is very concerned about a floating space vagina. That is not a headline that I would have guessed two days ago I was going to be giving you today. This is the epitome of everything is scary. I'm going to explain right wing fear mongering to you with a segment in which Fox News propagandist Tucker Carlson is afraid of a Turkish floating space vagina. Um, what am I talking about? OK, here's the deal. In Turkey, there was a cloud. OK, the cloud to some people looked like a vagina. And some of you will say, well, David, really, it's a vulva. The, the vagina is inside. We all know what I'm talking about. OK, we're using the colloquial term that is usually used. Please, OBGYNs, uh, don't write to me about this. It was really not like a huge deal. It's just a cloud. I mean, quite literally, it's a cloud. But Tucker has to fear monger. So he does a segment saying this is really a problem. This is not normal. Take a look at this. We have seen pictures of the very strangely shaped object that appeared in the skies over Turkey. Yeah. What is that exactly? It's not normal, no matter what they tell you. <laughs> Plus, tomorrow, uh, millions of churchgoing Christians in America still vote for the Democrats. Yeah, uh, that, that he was moving on to his next scary story that there are Christians who vote for Democrats. Maybe blame the vaccine would be a takeaway. All right. So listen, this is it's so stupid, but this is very, very instructive. And I'll explain to you why, whether it's about big things or small things, the right 
relies on fear mongering tactics to gain support and to push their agenda forward. If there is a specific person to blame, even better. If there's a particular group to blame, absolutely fantastic. It's a strategy that fear creates a sense of urgency. We need to know what to do now. We need to know who is subjecting us to this and on and on and on the space vagina. He's using the same rhetoric he he uses with a lot of this other stuff. I don't know that he's necessarily suggesting an investigation. He just seems confused by it, I guess, in some sense. But the way that this works is you use the fear to create the sense of urgency and to otherize someone else, to agitate people, to scare them, to say, well, tell me what to do, please. You've scared me. Now, what is it that I'm supposed to do? And that's the point. You use the fear to get people to take action without fully considering the consequences. And this is why right wing politicians will often use fear to uh, uh, try to push for quick and drastic changes to policies or laws. Guys, we don't have time to sit and think about this and to debate it. There's a floating space vagina in Turkey. We've got to do something about it right now. Now, usually it's not a floating space vagina. It's immigrants or communism that doesn't exist or Marxism that they don't understand that isn't Marxism or whatever the case may be. But that's how you slip changes through quickly that aren't actually in the best interests of the majority of people. Fear can also be used to create division and distraction from actual issues. A floating space vagina is not a real issue. Tucker's one hour show, once you take commercials away, is probably 38 minutes or 42 if it's like, you know, most corporate media shows. And every one of those minutes is going to something rather than something else. And when you do the space vagina thing, you don't talk about an actual issue that affects people. And lastly, the fear is used to create an us versus them mentality. Now, he didn't go in this direction, but the Turkish floating space vagina could be used to make the audience suspicious of what is it that Turkey is doing? What is Turkey up to exactly? Will they have a floating penis soon or whatever the case may be? And it's part of this distraction method and it fuels all of these other techniques that I talked about. So it's such a silly example. It's a small example, although the cloud is quite large. It's a small example, small scale example of how everything leads to the exact same rhetoric and tone. And that's another fascinating and sort of funny thing. Whether Tucker is talking about a potential nuclear war or a floating space vagina, his tone is exactly the same, which signals to people who have this stuff spoon fed to them on Fox News, they should be reacting with equal amounts of fear to both of the things. So it's quite sophisticated propaganda and uh, It would be better if people were more prepared to uh, defend themselves against it. We have a voicemail number. That number is two one nine two David P. I recently did a segment on the Pacman Finance Channel recommending what I believe to be 10 or so personal finance books that if everyone read, you would be ahead of 98 percent of the population in terms of personal finance knowledge. I did that segment last week. Someone wrote in. I'm sorry, they called in. And they said, David, what about rich dad, poor dad? Take a listen to this. David, it's Alan from Jersey. I'm watching your video on the Pacman Finance channel about yes. uh, finance books you suggested. And your list did not include Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. I can't believe you left this one out. I, mean, I know. It's, it's one of the best 
finance books that teaches you the difference between thinking like a rich person versus thinking like a poor person. For example, a poor person works hard, pays their taxes, and gets screwed over when their company lays them off. But a rich person like uh, Kiyosaki writes a scam book, this rich dad, poor dad scam book, then he gets in bed with Amway, which is a scam multi-level marketing thing, yes. and forces Amway people to buy his book, and that's part of his whole scheme uh, that made him the self-help guru. So yes, the, the Robert Kiyosaki's main strategy for getting rich is to write books and sell them to people, telling them it's going to tell them how to get rich. So if you can emulate that, that is that is a, a way. Now, listen, I read Robert Kiyosaki's Rich Dad, Poor Dad, like the first couple of books when I was probably 16 or 17 years old. And I don't find them substantive and I don't find them serious. Now, whether he is a quote scammer or not, I will leave that to the critics to decide. But if you say to me, David, sir, I need recommendations for personal finance books that are really personal finance books, not Kiyosaki telling me to get get just get start getting real estate that will generate passive income uh, and then buy more of my books and maybe do some Amway stuff. No, if you want my actual list of good finance book recommendations, go to davidpackmancom slash recommendations. And then we also have the finance content at youtube.com slash Pacman finance. I do not recommend Robert Kiyosaki's books or his courses or his whatever it is that he is selling. The books I recommend are cheap. They are complete and that they aren't going to try to sell you more stuff. Um, and again, if you read these 10 or so books that I recommend to you, your personal finance knowledge will be greater than that of 98 percent of the adult population. I, I've got nothing to sell you. They're not my books. They're other people's books. Uh, YouTube.com slash Pacman Finance and davidpackman.com slash recommendations on today's bonus show. The FDA wants to simplify the use and the updating of covid vaccines. What do they want to do and who is already flipping out about it? I think you can probably guess the first artificial intelligence powered robot lawyer is going to represent a defendant in court next month. This is super interesting and we're going to discuss it at length on the bonus show. And lastly, the woke mob. Oh, wait, no. It's the right wing mob. The right wing mob has indefinitely paused their M&M spokes candies over right wing pressure. I thought we were the people who canceled, but they are doing a lot of a lot of canceling. Sign up at joinpacman.com. You'll get instant access to the bonus show. I will see you then.